everyone to another episode of Mental Unblock. This is your host Omar and this week we are joined by a truly exceptional entrepreneur. She is a board member of the Sharjah Chamber of Commerce, a board member of the UAE SME Council, director of Sara Al Madani Fashion Design, director and partner of Social Fish Digital Agency, and she's also the partner of Hula Tech based out of California and the mother of a beautiful child. She is Sara Al Madani here with us at Mental Unblock Studio. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. We've been waiting to get you. I've been I'm looking excited forward. about this. Likewise. Yeah. So you're quite busy. Yeah. I actually, for the first time, had to use an auto cue <laughs> to remember. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> get through everything that you do. <laughs> all right. No. So here's a question right off the bat. Are you what they call a jack of all trades? I don't know if I am, but all I know is like, um, as humans, you have, you can do anything and everything you want. Can you though? Do of you course. not drop the ball on things eventually? No, uh, you're definitely meant for some things and some things not. Right. But how would you find out if you don't try? Absolutely. So I believe that we have 24 hours a day. You can build an empire in that time. So why why waste it? Excellent. Yeah. So let's say you've had a fair share of success. Uh, very interested in talking about that. Also very interested in talking about a lot of the difficulties and challenges that you've gone through during your entrepreneurial career. Uh, to get people out there to know who Sara is, let's take a step back. Tell okay. us a little bit more about your childhood, your upbringing, your family, where were you born, how were you raised? Walk us through that. Right, so know. I'm half Emirati, half Bahraini. My right. dad's Bahraini. Okay. Uh, born and raised here in the UAE. Uh, it's my country, it's my mother country. And um, I remember my dad said, told me when I, when I was around 12, he said, when you were three, you used to massage us for money. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't know why the hell did I do that. And then he mm. said, by the age of five, you would buy candy and resell it at a higher price to your cousins that couldn't leave the house to go to get candy. Wow. I don't remember any of this, but apparently, um, my dad says, you had that in you. Sure. Ever since you were born, you had that entrepreneurial spirit in you. Sure. And uh, even though I couldn't explain it, um, it came to life when I was 15. And uh, I think it's because like, I realized that every time I wanted something, my parents would tell me, you need to work hard to get it. You need to work hard to get it. Mm -hmm. I wanted some toys I couldn't get. My dad's like, you need to work hard to get it. So I was like, why would I wait for, for them to go work hard to get me something? Why can't I just do it myself? And um, I also had an aunt who went through like, a bad divorce. Mm -hmm. And um, it made me look at her in a way that, what if one day, I was left alone and no one was there to support me. I want to be my own boss. Sure. I want to do my own thing. So when I was 15, I financially um, cut myself off from my family, still lived with them, um, and just went on a journey to start a business. And I actually opened my first uh, company when I was 15. Right. So yeah. is it fair to say that you had a normal or abnormal childhood? Uh, I, I was an abnormal child. An abnormal child. <laughs> yeah, but what yeah. was your childhood like? Was it a normal childhood? Very normal childhood, yeah. like every kid. But the thing is, I knew as a person and everyone around me knew that my mind was way bigger than my age. So, abnormal kid. Right. Yeah. So, you discovered that you were an entrepreneur at the age of 15, really kind of realized it at that point, decided to go out and make your own. How did you make money at 15? What did you do? So, when I was almost, like, when I turned 15, two months into turning 15, uh, I was like, okay, how do I get money to open my first company, which is a fashion design company? And I was like, without asking mom and dad, and I went to my dad and I was like, listen, from now on, I'm financially independent. I don't want any money of you. And they all laughed. Like, they were like, oh, yeah, she'll come back, you know. Never did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I did is I used to buy and sell uh, electronics, okay. like here and there. Because, you know, as a local, being 15, my parents would not allow me to work. Like, sure. this is like not even in our culture. Sure. 
So I remember I used to um, do promotions in the malls, okay. like with like Coke and Pepsi and all that, all those, all okay. these things. And I once got caught. I denied it was me, but right. then it, there was a picture, right. so I couldn't deny it. And um, I just in like six to nine months, I collected twenty thousand dirhams. Okay. That's including my um, allowance, including me selling everything I have and buying and selling items and promotional jobs here and there. 20,000 dirhams back then was a lot of money. Sure. So got the store, I paid key money, got mm -hmm. the store, it's a tailor, uh, in the in, in industrial industrial area in Ajman. So this is for Rouge Couture? Yeah, it was called Rouge Couture, okay. but now it's called Sara Al-Madini Fashion Design. Right. So got, paid the key money, which included a rent for a whole year, which included two staff with the store, and was a men's tailor. And I just had to sit there for six months with paid rent, and not knowing how to do anything because I had zero information about fashion. So why did you start that though? Because I just wanted to change the way women wore their traditional clothes okay. and made them more strong and powerful with their traditional wear. Okay. So you got started, struggled a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. But then eventually the business grew. Yeah. You ended up with four outlets, I think. Yeah, four. I th you were quite successful at one point, but then things went horribly wrong, I think. Yes. Okay, tell so us about more. Yeah, so within, um, and alhamdulillah, I didn't even expect this to happen uh, because these tailors were men's tailors and they were like, ma'am, we're not going to do women's clothes. And I had to convince them to try. So little by little, we built a relationship. The company grew into two branches, three branches, a factory, um, around uh, 89 staff to start with, reached to 120 something staff. But in 2013, I uh, went bankrupt completely. And in lost 2013, you 13. went completely bankrupt. Yeah, completely. Like I had zero money. What happened? How, how did you go from that expanding and you know having 89 staff and having that growth to all of a sudden going bankrupt? What did you do wrong? So the thing is, um, picture this: for, from 2002 uh, or one when the company opened, I can't even recall anymore, until 2013, every single dime I made, like my net profit, I didn't touch it because I wanted to invest in real estate. Sure. And I had a partnership that went wrong, and. Um, that partnership took everything down the drain, and I lost everything I had. What was that partnership? It was it was a it was a business partnership. Okay. And um, it just went wrong. And the thing is, um, if there's one thing I've learned out of out of this failure mm -hmm. experience, and waking up one day with my checks bouncing and my sure. staff are like, sa no salaries, rent to pay for all these branches. If there's one thing I've learned, it is it's to own your mistakes, and not right. to blame it on others. So my mistake was. Um, that I didn't go through good contracts mm -hmm. between me and my partners, and um, I wasn't safe in my contracts. And you know how people are. Yeah, you know I love you, love me. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah, cool. Let's high five and sure. let's sign a con. Let's sign just a normal document that sure. that doesn't even preserve anyone's rights. Right. So I did that. It was my mistake, and um, I won't. I won't. If people are unethical at work, I won't take that as my mistake. That's them. Right. But how did things go wrong? It's because I wasn't careful. So, and that taught me a lot. And actually um, went through court for a long time and all that, which, which I should have listened to my lawyer <laughs> and, not, and not went for it for a whole time. But when you're mad at, at something like that, you just, wanna, you just want your rights back. Sure. But at a certain point, you're like, take everything you want and just, I want out of this, you right. know, completely. But you know what? Um, life works in mysterious ways because um, the minute this happened, a mm -hmm. couple of months into it, I got elected, selected as a board member at the Sharjah Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Right. 
So then I realized, uh, you know, God and life all works in a mysterious way. Maybe this wasn't meant for me, Absolutely. and the only way for me to get out of it is to be slapped in the face. Did you enter other partnerships after that? Of course. So 100%. that didn't stop you from no, wanting to work with other no, people? No, no, hell no. Okay. I am kinder, I'm nicer, I trust people more. I won't let one person's uh, dark uh, darkness take sure. over my life. You know what I mean? But more cautious. Probably. Yes, 100%. So my contracts come first now. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Um, you actually said at one point uh, something very interesting, and I'll quote. Um, and I, I'm assuming this is after things went south with the partnership. You, you said, um, should I quit and just go crying to people so they can save me? or go crying to the government so they can take me out of this? Or do I just fight for this because it's my baby, my passion, and my dream? Yeah. How did you find, at that point, the actual power or the courage or the will to fight? Well, the thing is, um, to me, when it comes to business, leadership is my number one thing. So when teamwork, dream works. So my number one inspiration for like not giving up and not breaking down and going to my parents and saying, fine, you know, let's solve this now or the government saying hey I messed up you know come fix this help me was my staff because I had so many lives and families to take care of sure. and I was like it's my fault my mistake you know I did this I need to go back and fix this so that was my biggest motivation is knowing these people had families they had they depended on me everyone depended on me and my clients and all that and I mean when you're an entrepreneur there's one thing you need to learn you can't be emotionally attached to a business because business comes and goes. Absolutely. And you're just building a personal brand, who you, which is you. You will never go. You know, you, sure. you fail, yeah, but you learn. But a brand, if it goes down and you're emotionally attached to it, everything goes down the drain. Speaking of emotionally and, yeah. you know, crying, did you cry? Yeah. Really? Of course. How long? Um, <laughs> for, actually, I, I didn't cry enough. And that's why I ended up being sick and tired for sure. like, three years, I, my, my health was deteriorating because I kept everything inside. Mm -hmm. I did cry at the beginning because of the shock mm -hmm. of, hey, I'm a good person. Why did this happen to me? I've yeah. never hurt anybody. You know, that those, those things we Absolutely. go through. But then I realized that if you're good, you're still good. That doesn't change. But some people are bad around you, but you're still good. Correct. How yeah. did you come out of that situation where you were talking about, you know, having bills to pay, having to make payroll, your checks bouncing and so on? Um, what did you do at that point? I mean, where did you find the money? I went, uh, I actually took loans okay. from people that I know sure. and um, paid them off the Im immediately right after okay. I, I got the money. And I got a couple of loans here and there. Um, I sold a couple of things I had, right. um, properties, cars, things I own and stuff like that. So it, it, it covered to, to maintain like at least two, three months sure. of work. And then I got back on track and started working again. Was your father one of the people you took money from? No. Okay, I was trying to prove the point about at no. the age of 15, no. you're taking more money from. Okay. No, because you know what? Uh, my parents took so much care of me and my siblings, mm -hmm. so much, and education. And they were not only parents, they were friends as well. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ask dad because at this point, I need to be giving dad. I need to be supporting dad because dad did everything for me. Sure. So it wasn't ego. It was me being responsible towards that promise I took. And I've always had it in, I've, I've always told myself, Sarah, one day you're going to be taking care of your family. They wouldn't be needing anything. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that to motivate me. Sure. And that was actually one of the fuel to, to the fire as well. Were your, was your family uh, or your parents, were they actually supportive of you being an entrepreneur or a business person? And I asked that, by the way, yeah. um, also with you being, you know, yeah. a female woman um, in the Middle East. Did that play a role in them saying, no, this is not the approach we want you to take? 
or were they actually supportive of you? You see, alhamdulillah, my parents are very open-minded, both of them. So culture was never an issue okay. because we were taught that culture is something man-made and it's a box of chocolates. You pick your, f your flavors, you eat them, the rest you mm -hmm. keep. But you respect, uh, obviously. So uh, culture was never an issue when it came to me being a woman. But um, Were they def supportive? They were supportive, but I'll, I've never said that to anyone, but I'll say it now. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dad, I have to say this. <laughs> we, we know how much you love your dad. I've I seen what him. you've said about I love him. Daddy. But yes. So. I'm a daddy's girl. So, But I remember at the beginning, being 15 to the age of 18, I had to stay out and work late, and my parents would never understand or support. Mm -hmm. So I used to run away at home at night from the window, Dad. Sorry. <laughs> or I never said this to anyone. I'm glad you are. You're Dad, I did. Them. I did. <laughs> I'm sure he'll forgive you. He will. He will. Given what you've achieved today, knowing who you are, yeah. he'll be okay. So I did that. I used to, like, um, he used to hide my car keys when I was 80, 18, and I used to steal those and run away at night just to work, just to, like, zone out and, like, be with my staff and stuff. They didn't understand that at the beginning, but I remember when I opened my third branch, um, I was giving a speech, and then my dad comes out in the crowd, and he's like, can I say something? I was like, sure, dad, come on. And he gets the mic, and he apologizes publicly to me, and wow. says, I'm s I was the reason um, her work was delayed. I was the reason wow. it took her a longer time. I kept her in. I didn't let her go out, and I, I was worried about my child. She's my baby, but he's like, now I'm proud of her, and he's like, I'm sorry, and I was like, dad, no. And I was in tears. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm getting goosebumps here. Yeah, I really so am. That's it really meant a lot because I mean, sometimes you know when you're when you're a parent, and now that I am one, when you're a parent and your child wants to go through the hardship of life, you go like, "But uh, that's my job. I want to go through the hardship right. of life for you." So I guess my dad was just trying to protect me, but he was always supportive. But after that, when he saw the success and he saw that this is real, mm -hmm. and I wasn't just running away from home to like hang out sure. with friends and stuff. He actually was 100% supportive. Now, you said you stopped taking money from your parents at the age of 15. You were yeah. adamant about making your own money. You went as far as you know, escaping from the window and sneaking out at night. What was your motivation? Was it money? No. I was never motivated by money. I've, none of my businesses were made for the sake of making money. Okay. It was for the sake of personal growth, uh, experience, exposure, learning, positioning, branding myself, and... Uh, um, raising uh, teams and just dealing with them. Now, money is a necessity, but never a priority. Because if your number one motive is money, mm -hmm. the minute money doesn't come, you're going to leave the business because you're going to not be passionate about it. Sure. So the minute you're doing what you're passionate about and you love it so much, money comes. Right. So I was never motivated by money. Okay. Never. You, there was a quote, which I can't remember exactly, but you were talking about if you had a pocket full of money versus a pocket full of hope, you would yeah. choose a pocket full of hope. Yeah, because I have thousands of friends who have right. a lot of money they're not doing anything about it because uh, a pocket full of passion and hope and and aggression toward a goal right. takes you way further and makes you find money makes you find partners make you find uh, uh, exceptional things that a pocket full of money won't give you right so we had a couple of people earlier when we were looking at some of your quotes online and uh, they wanted me to ask you so how did it work with hope paying the bills as opposed to a pocket full of money but I think I understand what you're saying, yeah. is that obviously having the hope will help you achieve yeah. what you want and get the money, obviously. Exactly. So, excellent. Now, what was the hardest moment that you actually experienced? And we're going to start talking about some of your current ventures that you're working on now. Yeah. But looking back, reflecting right now, what was the hardest moment that you can reflect back on that resonates with you during your entrepreneurial period? I guess it was the bankruptcy, the bankruptcy. thing. Yeah, because I wasn't ready for it. And... And then it made me think, okay, I, for the past 11 or whatsoever years, 
every single dime I made, I saved. I was like, what if I took that and spent it on like educating myself more or doing more? But then, you know, you can't go back and change time. So regret is, is not, not a best friend of mine. Sure. And I never attach to it. Now, you spoke about your family being supportive um, of what, to an extent, obviously, right? Yeah. But that's natural from a Middle Eastern parents, obviously, being protective of their daughter. And I completely get that. Yeah. Um, what about um, other sacrifices that were made? Um, your marital status, you're married, you're divorced. I was married. You were married. Yeah. Okay. And was the divorce a result of you being a strong entrepreneur? Did that take a toll on the actual maybe, marital situation? Maybe it was somehow okay. in, in involved in it because, as you said, our culture is completely different. Sure. And um, for us, it's a man's world, and mm -hmm. a woman does not belong in that. So all I can say is that um, sometimes we take decisions – that are emotional and um, I believe that if things did not work you just move on you know you don't you don't waste time there trying if trying didn't sure. re revive it you know what I mean right. so it was just he's a great man mm -hmm. uh, but uh, probably never weren't meant to be okay yes now I mean but but, but it happened during the time of the bankruptcy so right so that why that's why I told you for a while I, I actually got sick and I was tired uh, physically. I actually got sick physically right. because everything was just kept in. But bad things happen at once always. Sure. Right? Yeah. I was going to say, so for the most part, you really had to deal with most of this on your own. Yeah. Now, if you can actually go back, is there anything you would have done differently in terms of maybe saving the marriage? Or do you believe maybe that this happened for a reason no, and no. this is best? Everything happens for a reason. Okay. Everything. I, I think I wouldn't be sitting here right here with you if I went back and changed just a direction I took sure. on the road. You know what I mean? Sure. So everything happens for a reason. I believe in that. Do you think, and by the way, I ask this question for a lot of the entrepreneurs out there that do have marital issues because they're entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Uh, most entrepreneurs do go through that. But also for the female entrepreneurs out there um, that can learn from your experience. Yeah. Um, what would you advise uh, female entrepreneurs who are maybe going through a rocky marriage or struggling with their partners because they want to be an entrepreneur? Yeah. What would you advise them? Well, the thing is, I can't give marital advice, right. uh, but the only thing I can say is that when you're choosing a life partner, especially as a woman, choose someone that understands what you do and believes in it and supports you. You don't need someone to break your wings and flip them. You need someone to give you wings, wings and push you up in the sky. And if you're not with that person, then you're going to struggle because they're not gonna, never going to understand what you're doing. And um, yes, being an entrepreneur keeps you busy and with a par the right partner next to you, they'll understand, but still that your marriage and relationship should be, should be a priority mm -hmm. and you should put 100% in it as well. So not to say, not to take advantage and, and, and say, hey, he understands, it's okay, I'm just gonna be gone. No, your challenge in life is to actually build a balance, which is something I don't believe in. I don't believe in life-work balance. It does, it's a myth, it doesn't exist. I believe that each one of us creates their own balance and there's no book we follow. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting you said that. Um, Mustafa Koida, who was uh, one of our first guests, actually said, the same exact thing. Yeah. Said eventually something is going to give. There, there is, there is no silver bullet per se um, no. in terms of a work-life balance. No. Um, which brings me to my next question, actually. So, how do you balance? How do you create your own balance? Because you're involved in so many different areas, so many yeah. different companies. You're a founder of that. You're a director of this. Uh, you're on the Sharjah uh, uh, board of commerce. And yeah. how do you? And then at the end of the day, you're also a mother. Yeah. Now, how do you? How do you do all that? Prioritize. Okay, so what's the priority then for you? My son. Number one priority. Number one, my son, 100%. Right. Then it's my work, my fam no, my son and my family, then it's work, then it's everything else. 
So because you put your family first and they know that, so you'd expect them to understand anything you're going through and if you're not there because they know they're first. But if my work came first, my family would never understand why I'm busy, why I'm gone. Mm -hmm. So putting my family first and my son is the most important thing because nothing, nothing in this world, no money, no business, mm -hmm. can, can take the place of a human being. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. In the end, these things come and go, but family is family. But um, prioritizing, because people say, yeah, priorities. They preach about it a lot, but apply it. Sure. Ta take it, write it down. What's your priorities in life? And just follow that. And there was a mistake that I used to do a couple of years ago, actually two years ago. I used to, um, I, I, was, I was like, a, um, what do you call it? I was like an uh, octopus. Right. I had tentacles and everything. Sure. So my energy was wasted left and right. I was never focused. Mm -hmm. So you'd see me doing nine, eight meetings a day, 10 meetings a day, um, traveling to things, doing things I don't have to do. But then I had a life coach that told me the more you're focused and the more your energy is focused, that's how you get things done. Sure. And that's how you know pressure uh, works with diamonds, right? Sure. Because it's concentrated light. Yes. So, and I, I, it didn't make sense until she told me today, how many meetings do you have? And I said, today I have 10. It was in the morning. She's like, go back out of these 10, only do three. And I was going to die. I was like, no, I can't. I have to. She's like, only three. And this is how I learned how to prioritize. And then I realized the rest of the meetings could have been a phone call. Right. They don't even add anything to my table. Sure. They were just a waste of time. It's just sure. me being social. So now I only waste energy and time on things that really do matter. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I don't at all. I preserve myself as much as I can. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, being a member on the board of the Sharjah Chamber of Commerce. How did you yeah. end up there? So while I was going through the bankruptcy. And not to interrupt you, are there yeah. other women that sit on the board or is it just two you? and 19 men, two women, 19 men. Okay. Yeah. So while I was going through the bankruptcy, a um, couple of months later, I get like a thousand texts from people congratulating me. And I was like, what's wrong? They're like, che check Sheikh, Sheikh Dr. Sultana's Instagram account. And I checked it and it was like a post that had the names of all the board members chosen for the Chamber of Commerce. And I see my name there between all these very well-reputed, known elder men. Sure. And I was like, I'm sure there's another Saad al-Madini in town. <laughs> and there is in Dubai. There somewhere. is. Yeah, okay. there is. Yeah. And then I was like, it's not me. It can't be me. I have zero experience in government. Like, what's this? It's a joke. And then I see people tagging me under the post. And I was like, oh, my God, this is embarrassing because it's not me. I know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Until I got a phone call from the government saying, you've been selected. Uh, you need to come for a couple of courses um, to prepare you for this position. And honestly, hands down, one of the biggest achievements I've done in my life because the people I meet, the, the courses I learned, the travels I do with them, the, the, our chairman is one of the strongest and most like leader-driven person ever I've seen. Mm. And um, I'm the youngest on the board, but okay. I'm taken so seriously um, and uh, my voice is heard as if I'm one of all of them. Why were you chosen, do you think? I think, you know, when you work so hard, you think no one's watching? Someone is watching okay. and someone out there is looking and you will be uh, applauded and appraised for everything you've done. So don't give up. Right. Now, yeah. this might be a politically incorrect question to ask, but do you, was there no chance, do you think, of you being you know, chosen to sit on the board just to kind of balance out the ratio that that was maybe a reason? There, there was actually, uh, it's an e election thing that okay. happened. So they've had names right. and they've shrunk, shrunk, shrunk until 
So in the beginning, I thought maybe I'm just a quota. Right. Maybe. That's what I was trying to get yeah. to. Or maybe because I'm like, um, I'm just open-minded. I'm not your, your typical Emirati girl. Right. So I'm, I'm, I might be a good balance on such a board. And I, it, this actually haunted me for a while. Until I was like, they were like, no, you were actually selected. And there was a lot of girls in Sharjah what that could be chosen. But you were, it was you. What, what do you mean by that, though? You're not a typical Emirati girl. What does that mean? I'm not, I'm not your typical Emirati girl. So I'm, I'm a little bit more on edge. Okay. I'm, I'm not shy, outspoken, um, very strong personality. Um, and, and like I fear nothing, like zero fear towards failure okay. and so many other things. And even, I mean, the way I look, like you can see my nose ring. And <laughs> typically from the way I look, I don't look like a typical Emirati girl, which is good because um, I remember Dr. Sheikh Sultan once said something in a meeting we were had with him. And uh, I love him like a father figure. He's amazing, role model. He was like, him and his wife actually, they said we never ever hire or judge people based on the way they look. Okay. We, we buy that, we buy this. Sure. You know, we invest in this. And that resonated in me so much. And then I was like, because I used to take off my nose rings when I had meetings, but mm -hmm. then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna keep this. Okay. I'm gonna go in with my weird sneakers under yeah. my abaya. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm gonna go in with with like my Mickey Mouse background on my on my iWatch and just be me and just play me because they're invested in who I am, not sure. how I look like. Okay. Yeah. Now uh, I've seen that there there was an actual post that you had once upon a time, a picture of you sitting on the board. I can't remember what the quote was, but it was something along the lines of, "You won't allow anybody to dictate." Or sorry, it's along the lines of you get what you want type of thing. I, I can't remember, but I think it said that um, it's not uh, it's not what's going to stop me; it's who's going to stop me. Correct. Yeah, that something like that. That yeah. was it. Yeah. Do you say that because you know, as a reference to your individuality or the person that you are? Do you say that because you're a female? No, I say that because of my individuality. Your individuality. Yeah. Okay. And the reason why I ask that is because I also wanted to know what your outlook is on supporting women out there. Yeah. I actually spoke to somebody that referred to you, and I personally disagree, but maybe you can clarify it, that actually called you a feminist. Are you a feminist? Um, I know at a certain point, okay. but yes. Right. I, I'll, I'll tell you my, my, my way of thinking of this. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I hate the word women empowerment. Oh mm -hmm. my God, it kills me. Because we're not weak, we don't need empowerment. You okay. inspire a woman, yes. she'll create wonders. She's dangerous if she's inspired. Okay. I mean, the most simplest example I can give you is when a woman is in love, what mm -hmm. she does for the man she loves. She's inspired. Right. So don't, don't uh, give me the tools to make it happen. Show me I can and I'll do it. Right. And this is what happens to women now in our culture and everything is women don't know they can. Mm -hmm. If they know, they will. Um, Very I interesting take, by the way. I really love what you said there, that women actually no. don't need empowerment. No. But more like, you know, give them something they're passionate about. Yeah. And and by the way, I'll, I'll tell you something funny. Um, a lot of the uh, organization out there that support women and give women what they need, for example, free license, free, I don't know what, free, 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 free. Sure. This slowly kills the individuality of a woman, kills everything in her because she's dependent. And then these organizations complain because they're like, oh, she failed, now she's asking for more. Well, you made her into that. You made right. her into a person that's dependent on you. Right. What you want to do is just give her some simple tools and let her do it. I don't think we're weak. I don't think we need help. I mm. mean, I don't see a bunch of men running in the street holding hands saying we're men empowerment, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so we don't need that. And um, and I, 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 I always, when I because I'm a public speaker as well, so whenever I start talking and it's a women empowerment, let's say, or inspirational talk, I always say that um, back then in the, in, in, in Islam, in the Prophet's days, uh, Muhammad, 
his, he was working for his wife, which was a businesswoman, mm -hmm. which was older than him, and he was working for her and he married her. So I'm like, I look at 2018 and 2017 and I think, w are we moving forward or are we moving backward? Sure. You know, what's happening? Yeah. So to me, being a woman was never a problem. Like it was never even an issue. And um, I think we reached a certain time in life where gender is not even, it's not even, doesn't even exist. Sure. Like th we should be genderless by now. You know what I mean? Because we're equal at everything. I agree. But Absolutely. if we cause and create that drama about mm -hmm. it, and you know, market it in a way that women need that. Of course, we're always going to stay down sure. because that's how we we look at ourselves and we market ourselves. Sure. And as as women, I would say one advice is stop being a victim. Be your own hero because women love to dwell on being victims. Right. For for a change, just be a hero. Be okay. your own hero. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you were talking um, about religion. Are you religious? No, I I am define religious. Do you pray five times a day? I pray. Okay, but yeah. not five times a day. Not on time, okay. but try, try. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, now but I'm very spiritual. Like I believe yes. in everything, and I, I, 100%. Um, I'm, how do you say that? I depend on God 100%. So okay. when people tell me, uh, do you have a partner? Do you have this? I go like, yeah, God's my partner in everything. Right. So I do believe in this. Maybe I don't practice it 100%, which I wish mm -hmm. I could. Mm -hmm. But in time, you know, sure. inshallah. Sure. Um, I want to go back to what we already discussed because something just crossed my mind. We were talking about the divorce and yeah. marital difficulties with being an entrepreneur. Do you plan on getting married in the future or is that of something? Of course. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic and I believe right. in love. I believe in marriage. Okay. So. I believe that there is the one for every single person out there. Okay. You just you just have to go through some obstacles to find them. Okay. Yeah. And how are you going to go about finding that one? I I learned <laughs> that <laughs> I shouldn't search. Okay. And I just you know with op have an open have an open arm have okay. an open door towards the idea and that's how right. your energy goes out there. Okay. But um, finding the one is letting go of thinking that there is someone perfect out there mm -hmm. because that doesn't exist. So who is who's the right guy for Sarah Madani? For all the bachelors out there, <laughs> who's the right guy for Sarah Bedley? What's right. the profile? Let's the guy go. that ticks all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, look, the thing is um, financially mm -hmm. status. Right. As long as he's like able to maintain a good life, what I'm good. What if he had a pocket full of hope? I like that. <laughs> we, we can get somewhere, me and him together. Okay. Yeah. But someone yeah. who's smart, someone who's kind, I need a kind person because yeah. I'm like that. A person who's giving sense of humor because I'm, I'm a goofball. I need someone right. like that. I don't need someone serious. Right. And um, someone who loves children, obviously I, I have a son, someone who is ambitious, hardworking, and um, just believes in humanity and people okay. and has leadership skills, not only at work but at home, because that applies everywhere. You didn't say anything about look, looks. I don't care. Looks fade. Really? Looks fade. Re to an extent. Looks fade. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I've been with a lot of pretty people, sure. even with work and everything, yeah. and I met so many good-looking people that were just empty shells. You know? Would you consider yourself good looking? Am I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know. I know one thing. I believe in this. And it's a quote that I've read somewhere. We are not bodies with a soul. We are souls with bodies. Right. So we are vessels. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I mean, in the beginning, I've always said, I want a guy that looks good. Sure. But then I realized that that's just such a shallow way of thinking. Sure. It is. All right. Now, uh, I wanted to ask because we were talking about you being a board member. Uh, yeah. In the Sharjah Chamber of Commerce, tongue twister. Yeah. How do you avoid any? How do I phrase this? Um, conflict of interest, right? So yeah. being in a certain position, right? Uh, being on the board, 
with yeah. certain abilities, maybe power, whatever it is, influence, influences. How, how do you avoid that conflict of interest between that and your personal life or anything else that you do? So the first thing a board member has to do is sign a paper. Mm -hmm. And the first thing to enter, like, to be a board member, and it includes all the rules and regulations when it comes to self, uh, like what you mentioned and all that, uh, conflict of interest. The second thing as a board member you need to know is that you're in there for the well-being of the country and of the city you're in. Okay. It's not about you, it's not about your work, so conflict of interest is a huge thing in the government. Right. Yeah, and it's something we don't mess around with. Okay. So in terms of my external life, how, how like, does, is this also what she meant as well? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so as long as I'm, I'm, I'm serving the board the right way, um, doing what I have to do, because we take financial decisions, we think of the growth of the city, the economy, and, 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 and basically uh, the industry and the commerce of the city. So as long as you take your personal interest out of that. And you're referring to Sharjah. Yeah. Okay. A and I'm also a board member in Dubai as well. Okay. But when, when you do that, um, you completely exclude yourself, and that's where, where you serve from your heart. Right. Completely. Why, why do you think there are so many more expats that start businesses and gain more traction in Dubai as opposed to Sharjah? You guys are more than us. We're like oh, I know. a tiny percentage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of a fraction of, of the amount, right? I understand. So it's nine, nine, how many are we, nine million now? So about nine point something million. We are 1.8, I think, the Emiratis or oh less? No more. I think it was closer to 10%. No. I thought it was closer to 10%. We need to go through this. Well, yeah, we'll double check that. Yeah. But the question is, why is it that so many more expats engage with Dubai or start businesses yeah. in Dubai as opposed to Sharjah, I can't really think of the last time I- You mean I to Sharjah? Sorry? You mean between Sharjah and Dubai? Correct. Why do yeah. more expats set up businesses here in Dubai as opposed to setting up businesses and choosing Sharjah as their point of residence or anything like that? Well, Sharjah is a very um, family-oriented area. Right. It's very quiet, very family-oriented, it's diverse. Sure. Now, Sharjah is one of the biggest industrial um, places okay. in the country. Most of the factories, the companies, the, the industrial ones mm. are all, all based in Sharjah. Mm. Now, the entrepreneurial, um, uh, but you're putting me in a very t uh, tied situation here between Sharjah and Dubai, because okay. in the end, every emirate has its personality, sure. right? It has its own thing. But the entrepreneurial spirit in the whole country is still mm. young. Okay. Um, we're only like 40 something years old, right? While entrepreneurship in America is like over 200 years old. Sure. So we are still learning. Um, each city is be is understanding what it has to do, how it has to do it. Sure. Every city, every emirate is unique in its own way, and it's not trying to copy each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes the UAE beautiful. So, each kind of business resonates in a different city. Okay. You know what I mean? I have friends who are in Fujairah and doing business. I have friends who are doing this. They're close to the port. They're so I think in the end, it's all uh, it's all about how you want to go with your work. And Dubai is escalating faster than most of the Emirates. Sure. But I think the rest are following really fast. Actually, there's a lot of things coming out of Sharjah as well right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, as we approach, we get closer to the end, I just want to ask you a few things quickly. Uh, what are the initiatives that you're currently involved in, in terms of businesses? Because we went through a few of them. Yeah. Just quickly touch on them and let us know what they are and why you got involved in them. All right, so um, I have my fashion line, okay. Sarah Madani Fashion Design. Which, which is the initial business that you set up from that's way back in the day. That's the first That almost went under. Yes. Actually, went, you went bankrupt at one point, but you held on to it. Okay. Yeah. That's one thing. Why and do you hold on to it? Uh, is it profitable, by the way? It is profitable, but not, not as it used to be. Okay. Because when, you're, when a business goes through court, it gets affected. Sure. Reputation-wise and all that. Because you can't just go out there and tell everyone, I didn't do anything wrong. What do you mean by reputation? Do you have a bad reputation? No, not a bad people? reputation, but people say, um, why should I buy from that brand? It was in court for four years. You know what I mean? Okay. 
So it's, it's something like that. Sure. So um, I guess it is profitable, but not the way it used to be. Okay. It, it used to, oh man, it used to rain back in the days. Right. But, um, but Do you have I any partners in that? No, no, I'm single in Just that. you. Yeah. Are you looking for partners? Uh, I don't mind expansion. I don't okay. mind partnership. I love people and I, I believe we grow with people. Okay. But um, I think the reason why I hold on very tight to that business is because of the people that are working with me. They've been with me for almost okay. 14, 15 years. I was gonna say, is that your flagship um, yes. business? Because that's the one that you've been yeah. in for the longest, that you struggled with the it most? It teaches me every day. Right. Till this day, it teaches me. It positions me. Okay. Uh, I, you know, having sometimes, and I'm sure if you talk to any entrepreneur that are, that are serial entrepreneurs, they do have businesses that don't make a lot of money, mm -hmm. but they keep them because it's, it's a positioning for them. It's a reputation, sure. it's a learning experience. It's an exposure. Like the fashion shows I do around the world, the people I, I mingle and mix around with. Mm -hmm. But my most and foremost motivation is my staff mm -hmm. because they have families and they've been with me for the longest years. Mm -hmm. That relationship is priceless. They're living off it. So, and it's, it's teaching me. So why, why take it off? Okay. Yeah. Next, what else do you have? And I do have Social Fish. Okay. Uh, my business partner in Social Fish is a person you know, Amar Busaidi. Yes. yes. So it's a, con a creative consultancy where we go into companies and and uh, initiatives or anything and just flip it into a creative mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. and give them creative ideas. Okay. And we do also um, tech uh, consultancy as well. Okay. And then if we give you an idea in tech, that's where I move it to my other company, Hula Tech. Hula but Tech based out of? In LA, in LA, in Pasadena, yeah. Okay. So my partner Sam there, um, Sam is just amazing. He's okay. he's like a tech guru. I'm not. Sure. I have zero knowledge in tech. Right. But um, so if I consult you and you like the idea, I can manufacture hardware, software, and everything for you. Right. From from games to to software to hardware to we have the full facility manufacturing. Warehouses and everything to do all that. Okay. We do robotics. I can just create anything for you. It's beautiful. But um, and then I have F and V. I ventured into F and V as well now, where I'm expanding, and uh, which is fun because I have zero knowledge in F and V. Mm -hmm. And uh, what else do you do, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> what else do I do? I have a question. Yeah. With doing all of this stuff. Yeah. Have, did you never really spread yourself too thin to the point where you said, you know what, I can't do it, I've taken on so much? Of course. Much. Okay. No, I've, I've tried, I'm, I'm a curious person. Now, the reason why I'm into these businesses that I have zero knowledge in, yes. in food and, 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 and tech and all that, is because I believe God has, like, God gave us a brain that, I'm sure my brain is not just meant to be fashion, for fashion only. Sure. So I got to explore myself, right? Okay. So. All I did is I Googled how to open a restaurant and then opened it with my partner. Okay. Uh, Googled tech and found partners and worked with them. So everything is available online. Okay. No one has a reason to say I can't sure. do anything anymore, sure. right? I don't have to be a graduate of a certain sector to work in it. Which of the but businesses do you enjoy the most? Actually, I enjoy people. So right. all of them are fun for me. Okay. Social Fish is fun because um, usually in every company, your weakness is the service or product you provide. And you get scared because what if something happens to that? But in social fish, it's here. So no one can take that away. Which one do you spend more time working on? Let me put it that way. Um, uh, my tech company. In yeah. Pasadena. Pasadena, yeah. Okay. yeah. And the creative agency. Okay. And I'm launching a new tech startup soon in Dubai. You're treating them as kids where you can't pick one over the other. I know, see? You know, you're trying to keep the equality, I noticed that. Yeah. Which is actually going to be very difficult for you to answer the next question. I was going to ask you actually at one point. Who are the people in your life that you're closest to besides your kid? I'm talking about family, maybe your parents. Yeah. This is a tough one. I'm going to try to put you under this pressure, but okay. if you had to choose, who are you closer to, mom or dad? 
Dad. Dad? Okay. Sorry, Mom. I love you. <laughs> we'll go shopping soon, okay? Do you have a good relationship <laughs> with your mom? Of course. Yeah. I love her. Okay. She's, well, she's also my best friend. Your but siblings? But I'm a daddy's girl. Okay. Yeah. Right. And um, I have my sister is three years younger, and I have a ten years younger brother. Okay. So um, you're, when you're the eldest, you're automatically a parent. Okay. You know what I mean? So this happened. So, yeah, and and. <laughs> it's good. You're all right. Don't but worry. Your iPhone went off. If it's this woman, it's always working. It's on. It's By on. the way, yeah. I'm thinking maybe you should take the call on camera. <laughs> I actually no. This will take a very long time. Yeah, no Fair worries. Enough. Yeah. Now, but, uh, yeah, daddy's girl. Okay. Um, as we get ready to wrap it up, I just wanted to ask you very quickly. What is the advice that you want to give to entrepreneurs out there? If you can think of the top three yeah. um, pieces of advice, what would it be? See, the first thing before starting or taking that first step, you can't sell or a, a product or a service or any idea to anyone unless you believe in it. So the first step into doing anything is believing. Once you believe, it's easy to start anywhere, however, or wherever. Number two, when you start a business, you're not expected to create a miracle. And innovation is not about creating something that hasn't been out there. You can take something that exists, apply it differently, and innovate in it. Mm -hmm. So don't be scared of taking that step because that step can be anything as long as it's a step. A lot of entrepreneurs want to perfect it. You don't have to perfect it. Mm -hmm. Just get out there and do it. The last thing I want to say is that um, don't ever be intimidated or, or scared by, by failure. Because I swear to God, I wouldn't have been the person I am, as strong as I am, and a public speaker, and I'm doing all of this if I haven't failed. Failure is one step towards the, the ladder of success. Mm -hmm. And if you want to jump that, guess what? You'll fall. So right. don't even try. you got to get on top of that. you got to pass that. you got to learn from that. Right. So don't even be intimidated by failure. You know what? I actually saw a video um, that I share with a lot of the people I, I do public speaking with a couple of uh, months ago. I, I saw a video online where this guy gets an ant, I don't know if you've seen it, no. and gets a pen okay. and draws a dark line around the ant. Yeah, I've seen that. So she goes crazy yeah. trying not to touch right. something that doesn't exist. Right. So this is how fear is. It's in your mind. Right. It's a wall you've built. you got to take that wall right. down and just get out of your comfort zone. Right. Uh, by the way, tell me very quickly, um, during this crazy entrepreneurial journey, at yeah. one point you said you've had staff members that worked with you for the past 14 years. Yeah. You've had your fair share of ups and downs. At times you struggled with making payroll and so on. How did you retain these people? I mean, were they were they simply loyal to you? Did you have to do something? No. What did you do? Um, see, this, this is why I always emphasize on the fact that um, when teamwork, dream works, my team are my family. And when you're a leader, you're a parent, you're a friend, you're, you're a mentor, you're a guidance, you're a manager, you're so much more. When I hit rock bottom, mm -hmm. I, I went to all of them and I was like, I can't pay salaries for two months. You want to leave? Let me know. If you can't, if you want to stay, stay with me because I know I can make this happen. Out of like some of them just left because they were just scared from sure. uh, instability. How many do you remember? Um, out of eighty-two, um, around thirty-seven or thirty-six stayed. Okay. Yeah. The rest were. They, they, they told me, we believe in you, but we're just scared. We have families, which I totally understand. The rest were like, man, we're with you. you know, we, we love you. We trust you. Sure. We know you can do this. Sure. So it pays, it pays off when you have that great relationship with you and your employees. Right. And um, to me, they're family. And I really put them first. They come as a priority. They're my friends. I eat. What I do is I revolve around the, my staff. I eat lunch with a group of people from one company. I eat mm. dinner with a group of people from one company. So I'm always there as like a friend. But they know I have red lines when it comes to work sure. as well. Yeah. 
Now, um, you're also talking about all the success. One thing I wanted to know is I'm sure there's been a fair share of people that believed in you, such as the staff, uh, people that supported you. There were also some people that obviously didn't believe in you. Yeah. Now, for the ones that did believe in you, what is it that you remember the most from a particular person? Something that they might have done for you or said to you that made you realize, oh my God, this person really believes in me. I guess um, when you fail, you realize who your true friends are, who your true people are. Because um, you go from a, because being in the social light and, and being in the industry for so long, I know everyone in the UAE. Sure. So it went from a circle this big to a circle this small. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, is, um, which, um, which is something I'm very grateful for. I realize sure. that the smaller the circle, the healthier you are. Sure. So I, I can't remember one thing that someone said, but I remember all of them just being by my side, sure. supporting me, going with me to court, and just, just being there, asking me if I need anything and all that. I'm sure you might remember this then. Uh, for some reason, the negative stuff resonates with people more, right? But yeah. what was the worst thing that was said to you? Um, the worst thing that was said to me. Oh, I remember. Um, it was actually by a lawyer okay. when we were in court. And he was like, you're a woman. Just go home and sit and cook. Right. Yeah. He actually said that to yeah. you. What did you say? And I remember I, I just went furious in the courtroom and I got kicked out. <laughs> they're like, leave the courtroom. I was like, what? Yeah, and they're like, yeah. you leave the courtroom. Right. But I was like, how dare you yeah. like say that to me? Right. Like, where's the respect? Like, um, what do you do? Like, right. you run a law firm? I run yeah. six companies. Like, right. seriously? Right. So it was, it was so, it made me feel like, like, instead of me feeling this small, I felt like he was that small. Right. And I was like, I feel sorry for your wife. By the way, I just uh, remembered as well that uh, You've got such a beautiful relationship with your kid. Yeah. You were saying earlier that he's your priority. You actually brought him to the studio. He's actually. with me everywhere I Guys, go. Guys, um, can we bring little Mektoum here? Yeah? Um, okay, so I guess I'll bring him. Yeah, so the uh, thing is, the reason why I take my son everywhere, a lot of women always negatively um, give me uh, comments and say, don't drag your kid to work just because you don't have time for your kid. No, the reason why I'm dragging my kid to work is because I want my kid to see how hard I work to provide for, for the toys I get him, for the food he has on his table. He needs to see his mom hustling every day because he needs to understand it because coming from a culture that, that's a bit like, you know, not in aligned with that, mm -hmm. but which is changing, alhamdulillah, now. Sure. To, he needs to understand because whatever I'm doing, all this empire I'm building sure. is his. And you know, you know how it is in that. <laughs> Come <Get> here. here. <laughs> Sit here. Sit here. All right. We're Beautiful kid. But they were wearing the same <laughs> shirt because he forces me to wear <laughs> the same clothes. <laughs> That's cute. Mama, That's cute. do you love me? Hey, Mike, How much do you love me? How are you? Two. Two? Cheap. Right. So the thing is, um, I really, really want my son to be social mm -hmm. because I've been with people who aren't, sure. and I've seen how that affects their work. Sure. And then in the Arab world, uh, sit, sit, sit. Oh, he's all right. Don't worry. Okay. Sit, sit with mommy. So, and in the Arab world, they say it takes a second generation sure. to kill a first generation right. legacy. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my child involved at a very young age. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd like to tell you, Sarah, honestly, it was very <laughs> inspirational. So no, it's great. I love how to. I wanted to get a kid on the show for the longest time. <laughs> now so. you do. Now you do. <laughs> well, listen, uh, there you have it, guys. Uh, we're at the end of the episode. want to thank you so much, Sarah, thank you. for making it to the show. And until then, guys, this is your host, Omar, signing off. Thanks for watching.